0: Amen. Let's talk about offering real quick, and we'll pray, and we'll get into the Word of God this morning. Uh, Luke 19, verse 10. I just want to read this. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. And, you know, I, I, this Scripture, as I look at it, as I, as I just begin to meditate on it, you know, God will entrust us with more when we are faithful with what He's already given us. And I know sometimes that's hard for us to understand, and we look at people who are, you know, maybe they have a lot of money or a lot of wealth or this or that. But I can tell you that there are many people that I know who are wealthy who are Christians, and they are some of the most generous givers I have ever met in my life. They are some of the most generous people I have ever met. And the Lord entrusts to us, he entrusts us with finances so that we are stewards of it. We're not taking any of it with us anyway, amen? We are just, he's asking us to be stewards. And when we're faithful in doing the small things, which, you know, tithe is one of those things that he's asking us to go do, the 10% tithe. When we are faithful in doing that, he continues to show himself faithful and to honor his word and to bless it, Amen amen. So let's pray over the offering and the message today. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are so good, that the goodness, your goodness, leads us to repentance. Father, we trust in you. We trust in you with our finances. Father, we just ask and believe and pray that this building will be paid off, that every person's home in here will be paid off in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you are moving and working in our midst and Father, even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working, Lord. And I thank you that you are with us and for us. And Father, this message that you have for us this morning, Father, I pray that I will be able to articulate it by your Holy Spirit, that it will penetrate hearts, that it will bring clarity and bring change in each and every one of our lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Let me, tell you some, let me tell you some good news to start. Amen? You want to hear some good news? Well, I got a testimony. I got a testimony at the break. Um, it, we, I was talking to somebody, and she had gone to the doctor, and they found, a, like, a cyst or, like, a, uh, a growth. Uh, in her lung area and you know what and they were just like okay I don't know what's going on here's that and she's just praying and believing and standing on the word of God and saying you know what I am I am healed God has healed me and I'm standing on this word of God I know she's a woman of faith God has healed her multiple times and she went back to the doctor and they took a scan again and guess what gone completely totally gone so thank you for sharing that testimony You know, I got my testimony list. I I add to those testimonies. That's another one to add to. God is a healing God. He's a miracle-working God. Amen? Amen. All right, so pull out your timelines. As Liz already mentioned, we're doing a, a series on the end times. And my goal each week, my goal each week is to talk a little bit about the end times timeline maybe about half the amount of time I talk, and then I want to take about a time and just give some hope, and just give some hope of, of who he is, what he's done, the promises, amen, that we can stand on, even when we are faced with difficult situations. And I want to keep reiterating, you know what, this series that we're doing, this series that we're doing, my goal is that you understand what's coming, that you just begin to understand what's coming, and that you walk away every week with some practical things that you can do, things that you can change, things that you can meditate on. And at the, at the very, as we go through from the back to the front of this thing, so we started all the way in the back at eternity, and we're walking our way forward to present day. Uh, uh, and present day isn't necessarily on this timeline. It's kind of off to the left a little bit. But as we get there and as we begin to get through this series, What I want to do is, if we know this is happening or coming, what does the church look like? What does ECF begin to look like? And I want to begin then to cast some vision for the future of this church. And I want to do that through October and November, and I don't know how all the timing will work out. Uh, We've got the election season coming up, too, as well, as you know, we've already talked about. But my goal is to walk through this timeline, but then say, if this is what's coming, then what should we be doing as a church? And I would begin to cast some vision over our church and what does it look like so that when we're making decisions and we're saying, well, we haven't reopened kids ministry yet, why not? You'll be able to answer that. Why are they talking about paying off the debt so much? You'll be able to answer that. And all the decisions that we have made or haven't made or you're wondering why it's happening or not happening, you'll be able to understand more clearly as we walk through what the vision of the church looks like moving forward, knowing the season that the church is in, amen, does that make sense? So you have to keep coming back to hear all that stuff as we go through, but again, we're just walking back through. So, okay, on your timeline, just a quick summary, from the right-hand side, we talked about eternity a couple weeks back, what that looks like, praise God, we're with him forever, he makes all things new, amen? All things will be made new, all things, the things that were lost and stolen, and the heartbreaks that you had, all these things, he makes them, restores every single one of them, it makes them new. And it's going to be a glorious time in heaven. We're not just going to be sitting on the clouds playing harps, okay? You have to go back and listen to that message if you want to know more about eternity and what that looks like. It's not just harp playing in the clouds, okay? And then we talked about the thousand-year reign on earth. And what does that look like? What, do we have jobs? Do, what do we do? What about our talents? What about our giftings? And, and Christ is reigning on this earth for a thousand years, and we are reigning and ruling with him. And what does that look like? And that was exciting. And then we talked about the day of the Lord two weeks ago. Not quite as exciting. We talked about some of the judgments that were coming out, some of the the wrath of God, uh, the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments that were going to come out. And we talked about Armageddon. And we talked about, you know what, we are not going to be here for that pouring out of the wrath of God, which leads us into today's message, which talks about the rapture. Everyone was wondering, when is Pastor Jason going to get to the rapture and tell me when I can get out of here and all this stuff gets to end, okay? Well, today I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you uh, a couple different viewpoints of what's out there. I'm going to tell you what I believe, actually, well, the timeline shows what I believe, so I guess it's not that hard uh, to figure out where I'm at. Uh, from a theological perspective, but I want to walk through that. And but before I do, I want to talk about something real quick. Uh, I want to talk about something because number one, the rapture and what it is—it's important. It's important to know what to expect and when to expect it, because when we know and we believe where it is, it changes our actions. It changes our behavior. It changes how we perceive the things that are happening in front of us. Why do I think that the rapture is important? One, because it's a message of hope. The rapture is actually a message of hope. And you know, I believe wholeheartedly that when Jesus comes back to take his church off this earth, he's not coming back to take a limp, dying, and weak church off this earth. Come on, can I get an amen for that? That is not what he is planning on. He is not going to come down and the church is going to be, oh, it's going to be in ruins. No one's going to be following him. They're going to have no power. No, I actually think the absolute opposite is going to begin to happen. The true church will begin to rise up. He, we will be, he will give us supernatural protection and miracles and he will see us through turbulent times. He will see us through these things and it will be a time where we rise up and people look and say, how is that happening? Because let let me tell you why. And we begin to share the gospel message. We begin to share what's going on in our lives. Does that mean it's going to be easy? No. Does that mean you won't have any challenges in this time? No. But I do believe that there is going to be a sifting of the church. There is, I mean, the Bible talks, we're going to look at those scriptures and what he is doing and what he is working on. But I do believe he's coming back for a bride. And the bride is his church, and we are going to be ready. And we are going to be operating as he intends us to operate. Amen? And we're going to talk about that this morning. That's going to be the second half uh, of my message. So open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians 15. And go in verse 50. I'm going to read two passages of scripture. And then my goal is to give you a little bit of high-level stuff. And then I'm going to to do some teaching. Then I'm going to get my preach on at the end. Amen? Amen? Does that clock really say 1145, or is that joking? Don't pay attention to the clock. I never pay attention to the clock. I was just a little shocked by that number there. Okay. We just got done with a nice break. Everybody moved around. We had 17 minutes, give or take, a little bit to walk around, so we're good to go. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Ready? It says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, 51, behold, I tell you a mystery, So when this corruptible is put on incorruption and this mortal is put on immortality, then shall we brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. This is why this is a great message, because it's a message of victory. It's a message of victory, of being with Jesus from then on. When the rapture comes, from then on for all eternity, we are with him. I'm looking forward to it. We pray Maranatha, which is, come Lord Jesus, come, right? I mean, this is a prayer of our hearts that so we're asking Jesus to come. Oh, death, verse 50, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Question mark, question mark. Ha <laughs> Question mark, question mark. 56, the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57, look at this. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who gives us what? The victory, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what we already talked about this morning, the victory, this rapture happens to those who are written in the book of life. You need to make a decision while you are on this earth about will you follow Jesus Christ and make him your Lord and Savior. It's a decision that every person needs to make. A decision that every person has to make in their lifetime. That's why we want to give opportunities at church, why we want to encourage you to share the gospel message with others. 1 Thessalonians 4. Turn with me there. Starting in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. I believe it will be on the screen behind me as well. But I... This is Paul talking to the church. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. We cannot be ignorant of what's happening, of what's going on. Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, for if... We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring to him those who sleep in Jesus. Those who have passed away previously, who have made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. This picture of the rapture happening is also called the the second resurrection, where the dead in Christ will rise up as well. The Bible talks about that and shows that pretty clearly. Verse 15. For this we say to you, by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will will rise first, verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. These challenges, these trials, these troubles, these things will begin. They will, they will vanish that day when He comes. Therefore, listen to this: therefore comfort one another with these words. So actually what Paul is teaching us is, yes. The rapture is coming. We're going to talk about where we see it, it reside on this timeline. But we got to comfort one another with this word. We have to comfort each other saying, you know what? It's going to be okay. God is working. God is moving. We can rely on his promises. They don't become null and void in the end times, in the last days. No, we can stand on this word of God as much so as we move forward in the end times as we could a thousand years ago. You understand that? The promises of his word remain. The things we can stand on remain. Amen? So some key passages that we can, or key points that we can come out of these two passages is one, number one is God's going to take us to be with him. Amen? When Jesus comes back. We must believe that Jesus died and rose again and we're going to be with the Lord forever. Praise God. So, I want to give you a little bit of a high level here overview of the different views of what I'll call the millennial. Okay, I just want to give you a couple of views on there, on your uh, timeline. I know it's back this way, it says a thousand years over here. It's important to note, and I want to just talk about these briefly because they link in with the rapture and they link into this tribulation and when these things happen. Uh, so, the first thing I want to talk about is something called preterism. And this means that many of the things of the fulfillment, I don't have it up on the screen, many of the things that uh, we believe will happen in, in the future have already happened in the past. There's there is a doctrine out there that, that believes that in 70 AD, a lot of the things that have happened, some of the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, the temple, a lot of Daniel's 70th week has already occurred. And that's, that's a thought process out there that people uh, kind of adhere to or talk about. And they believe that the, a lot of this Bible prophecy has already been fulfilled with Christ and his ongoing expansion of, of the eternal kingdom. I don't subscribe uh, to that belief, but I just want you guys to know that it's out there. There's also two things called amillennialism and postmillennialism. A-millennialism and post-millennialism. I want to tell you briefly about those two. A-millennialism means that there is no millennial. That there is no actual thousand-year reign on this earth by Christ. Uh, And basically what they're saying is that we're in this time period now. That the thousand years can't be defined by a thousand years because the Bible says things at a high level. And we don't exactly know when all these things are going to happen. But that we're in this millennial-type reign now and that at the very end of this time that Jesus will come back and then we'll go into all of eternity. So they believe like this, the rapture then is at the very end of all this and that Jesus comes back and then we move into eternity. And then post-millennialism means this, that there's the progress of the gospel and the church growth begins to happen and more and more and more of the world becomes Christians and then we as the church Bring this peace to earth. We bring this, uh, this opportunity to have a millennial reign on the earth. Peace on earth is called post-millennialism. And then there's a thousand-year reign that we are having as the church without Christ being on the earth. I don't ascribe to that either. I don't believe that uh, it's... I mean, I can understand how they come to some of those conclusions. I just don't believe that that's what the Bible is telling us. So what your timeline shows... And what we, what I believe, you know, as, as uh, I've said, is something called premillennialism. It's premillennialism. We believe in Christ's second coming will happen prior to His literal millennial reign on this earth. That it's linked; these thousand years are linked to Him coming back to the day of the Lord, which we talked about uh, last time. And that that we, from a Daniel perspective, that this Daniel seventieth week, which you can see on your timeline, these last seven years have yet to start. They have yet to start. 69 weeks of Daniel's prophecy have happened. We are now in what we'll call the church age, waiting for the last week, waiting for the 70th week to start, which I believe the Bible makes clear is the last seven years before Jesus comes back. And it says we don't know the exact time or hour. I get that, so we don't know exactly when within that timeline, and we talked about that. So let me talk about, real quick, the rapture teachings. There are four ...different rapture teachings, theologies that are out there. They are pre-tribulation. They are mid-tribulation. They are pre-wrath. And they are post-tribulation. I'll give you a quick overview of the four of them. Pre-tribulation. What they believe, they... I'm already pointing, you guys know where I'm at already, but that's okay. Pre-tribulation means that the rapture can take place at any point. At any point... Meaning, this afternoon. I'm serious. They, at any point that the rapture kicks off the last seven years, which they believe is the day of the Lord, that last 70th week. And they believe that it's imminent, meaning it can happen at any point in time. I believe scripturally it does not, the, the Bible does not show us that. I'm going to teach you that here in just a, just a few minutes. But they believe that just before this seven year period that happens on your timeline, that the rapture happens, bam, right there pre-trib. I'll say a couple things. One, this is a very recent theological stance. I'm mean, i talking like the 1800s. None of the early church fathers the Bible, I don't believe, says it either, but none of the early church uh, teachings have anything to do with that. It's a very, in my view, a very western view of how the end times are going to play out. And to be honest, it was made popular by the Left Behind series. How many of you read the Left Behind series? Okay, I'm so sorry to burst your bubble. If you reread it again, you're going to read it in a different light. <laughs> because I do, I do believe that it's, it's leading us to this thing that we're going to be able to escape these last seven years. And I don't believe we're going to totally be able to escape all of those. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But it was again, it was made popular by that. Then there's a mid-tribulation, which as you can guess would be the midpoint of the last seven years. And they believe that the rapture will occur right before the Antichrist invades Israel and does the abomination, desolation of the temple. That's mid-trib. And then pre-wrath. Pre-wrath is what I believe the Bible makes pretty clear. And that before the actual trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments are poured out, that Jesus will come back for his church that the rapture will start the day of the Lord, and I'm going, to talk, I'm going to walk through two scriptures that I believe show that. And I do believe that the church will face persecution, even more so in the middle of these last seven years, which we'll call the Great Tribulation. But it is cut short at some point in time in which we don't know the day or hour, as the Bible teaches us. But if we know we're in the last seven years at some point in time, we'll know that we are in the last seven years based on biblical prophecy. And here's what I find interesting. In these last times... As things occur and as things play out, we actually have the Bible that gives us the prophecies that we can actually share with people. Like, yeah, I, I knew that was coming. What do you mean you knew that was coming? Well, I knew it was coming because the Bible lays out some of these prophetic things. And I think people will begin to listen more and more as they see these things play out. If we can say, hey, we understand what this, thing, this stuff is and what's coming at us. Then the last one is post-trib. Post-tribulation is obviously at the very end. It happens at the end that says that the church would go through the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments. And so uh, I'm not going to go through all the different uh, reasons why I, don't, I believe in some and not the other. But I do want you to turn to Matthew 24. I want you to turn to Matthew 20, starting in verse 29. And here's what's interesting. There's a lot of debate on all these things. And if you're really interested, you can, there's so much information out there that you can go look at and go see. But I'll tell you, the key for me, the Olivet Discourse, which we're going to look at a little bit here, and the parallel that Matthew 24 has with Revelation is like, it just blows your mind. I shouldn't say it, it doesn't blow my mind. It's amazing. It's amazing what those two things working together actually show. So it says this, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, And the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from the one end of heaven to the other. Jesus is going to come back. But when you look at the events that happen in Matthew 24 and in Revelation 6, the, the rapture you can see clearly, at least from my own point of view, has to happen after the midpoint of the tribulation, after the abomination of desolation of the church, of the, of the temple in Jerusalem. And then he begins to come, then he comes back. And we don't know the exact time or hour. If you want to study this further, I would encourage you to read through Matthew 24. And and look, I mean, even if you commentate for yourself, everything that's happening in Matthew 24 is all leading up. He's talking about all the things that happened in Revelation. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. The next passage of Scripture, 2 Thessalonians 2. And I might continue this a little bit next week because it goes along with kind of the, the Daniel 70th week. So if you're not getting all this right away, it's okay. So the Thessalonians thought, you know, that they had missed the rapture. All right, they're already talking about when this happened, what's going on. And Paul is teaching them. He says this in verse 1, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1 through 4. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled. Hallelujah. Either by spirit or by word or by letter. As if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come. Listen to this. Will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, he's talking about the Antichrist, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And I don't know how you read that and say that Jesus is going to come back before any of that stuff happens. I believe Paul is teaching us that these things must occur which I believe is the midpoint, which is the desolation and the the rise of the Antichrist, must occur before the rapture happens. Which means, based on the Bible, it says that we will face some persecution. We will face persecution as a church, we will face persecution as Christians, and church, we need to be ready for that. We need to be ready for that. I began talking about last week what that looks like to be ready. So I'm not going to go through just honestly for the sake of time. I know I'm not supposed to look at the clock, but I got a lot more I want to share that I believe is more important this morning. There are a lot of issues I believe with the pre-tribulation teaching, and there are some major theologians out there that that do uh, prescribe to that to that theory. There's a lot of different problems, and if you're interested in learning more about those, I can send you some links, some videos. Uh, The imminence problem, whether it's the Olivet Discourse problem, whether it's the Revelation problem, whether it's the the early church problem, there's a lot of problems with it. Too much in my mind has to be changed in Scripture to make that work. And so I subscribe to a pre-wrath doctrine of the rapture, which means before those final judgments are poured out, before those trumpets and those bowls are poured out on this earth, and the wrath of God is unleashed, Jesus will come back and take his church. He will come back and take his church. Worship team, if you want to come up here. But here's what I want you to focus on. Say, wow, Pastor Jason, you're a bearer of bad news today. I enjoy the Left Behind series. I enjoyed the thought that all that stuff that happened in there, maybe I didn't have to go through it. And what I want to encourage you with this morning is this, is God will take us through it. God will see us through it. God will supernaturally take each and every one of you who have called on the name of Jesus through these difficult times. You have the Holy Spirit with you. And I begin to write down, Lord, how do I encourage the church? How do I encourage them with a message of hope? I opened with the rapture is a message of hope, and then I just told you you're going to have to go through a bunch of tribulation and challenges, and and I was like, oh my gosh, thanks, Pastor Jason. Let me go home and enjoy the rest of the afternoon. But I want to give you some hope this morning. And I started writing some things down, and it's this. This is the time, not for the church to hide, but for the time for the church to grow and to preach and to see miracles and to see healings and to see the lost saved. Now is the time more than ever for the church to rise to the occasion and not to run and hide. This is the time for the gospel to move forth. This is the time to show people what's happening. Point them to the Word of God. Point them to Jesus Christ to make them their Lord and Savior so that they can be encouraged with hope that in these last days, when Jesus comes back, they will meet with Him in the air and they will be raptured. And I said, what are the takeaways from this message? Number one, we must understand that God is sovereign. God will, make, God will fulfill His Word. He will fulfill his word. And yes, we need to pray. And yes, we need to believe. And yes, we need to confess. But at the end of the day, what he says is going to happen in here is going to happen. So let's just put that aside. This is going to happen. Okay? It's going to happen. So put it aside. You're now informed of the things that are going to happen and when they're going to happen. Just know that God is sovereign. But know this. This is the time for us to use our believer's authority. This is the time for us to bind up those things which need bound. This is the time for us to loose those things that need loosed. This is the time for us to intercede as a church and to pray and to be on our knees and to be a people of repentance. This is the time to be led by the Holy Spirit. This is the time to be attuned to His Word more than ever. The Bible says, and the sheep will know my voice. They will hear me. You need to hear his voice. If you want to navigate these end times, you need to hear his voice. We need to be, this is the third one. We need to be the light in dark places. We need to be the city on the hill. We need to be seeing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need to see that great harvest that we were talking about coming. I believe there's a great harvest before Jesus comes back. It's not going to be imminent just whenever. There's going to be a great harvest. His will is that none shall perish. No one shall die and not knowing and That's his will. That's what he wants, but he needs us, the church, to get in action. He needs us to start moving, to start talking, to start praying, to start preaching, to start using our talents. That's what he wants in these end times. Not to be focused on the problems that are coming, but to be focused on the opportunities that are right in front of us. The opportunities that are right in front of us. Yes, we need to prepare, the fourth one. We have to prepare and get ready. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially. But are you connected to somebody right now in this church? We prayed this morning, the vertical connection with God and the horizontal connection. And I think even Liz said something about it. Are you connected with someone or are you by yourself? Because alone is a lie. Alone is not good. You need to be connected with the body of Christ. You think we can navigate these times on our own? No. No. He puts us together as the church, as the body of Christ. I'm not saying you absolutely have to be in one of the small groups that were listed, but you need to have connections in this church. When the crazy stuff happens and the proverbial, you know what, hits the fan and you're not sure what's going on, do you have that person to call? Do you know who that is? Are you connected with someone who can pray with you, who can come over to your house and say, man, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I need help. This is a time for us to be doing it together, not alone. And number five, I'm not saying it's the most important thing, but it's up there. We have to stand on his word. Church, you have to stand on his word. You want to navigate these difficult times in front of us and you're not reading this Bible? I don't know what to tell you. I'm so. I don't even. As a pastor, I can't. I don't. I have no words to help you with that. Because the words of encouragement are right here. The words breathed by the Holy Spirit, written by man, are right here. This is what you need: the Word of God. How many times do you eat a day? You go day after day after day without eating, and you're hungry. You're tired. You're laying around. You're sick. You don't feel good. Why do we think we can go day after day after day without putting this food, this bread on the inside of us? This is our lifeline, guys. These promises that are in here don't become null and void because things are getting difficult. They don't become null and void. We can stand on those same promises, we stand on those same promises that we do not have to worry. We do not have to fret. We do not have to be afraid. God is with us. God is for us. He is working for us. We can be more than conquerors. In church, we need to be watching our confession. We need to be watching what we're speaking. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. As these things begin to play out, And you begin to speak death, destruction, poverty. I'm telling you what, you'll begin to see that in your life. Church, we have to be so careful with what we say and the words that come out of our mouth. We need to be speaking life. We need to be speaking healing. We need to be speaking just an absolute restoration of relationships. That he will provide for every need. What does it say? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You don't have to worry about will you have enough food because he promises that he will feed you. Yes. He promises it, it's in the word. Stand on it. Stand on it. And so this morning, as I was looking at my five points, I said, Oh my gosh. I just wrote the song Waymaker. But somebody already wrote it. And so I texted the team. I was like, I know it's like 45 minutes before service. Can I add a song at the end? Can we all stand together and begin to sing Waymaker together? Because what? He is the Waymaker. He is the Promise Keeper. He is the Miracle Worker. he's the Light of the Darkness. He is everything. So let's worship Him this morning. Come on, church. You, Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. You are the promise keeper. You are the light in the darkness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
1: When I was pregnant with Maggie Mae, I was standing over here. Maggie Mae's our eighth child and she's the only one that was a surprise. And, um, I was pregnant and the Lord spoke to me. This Lord spoke to me during worship, and this is what I heard. I heard, This child will suffer much for my name, but not unto death and not unto turning away. Oh, wait, what? Okay, no, that wasn't. That couldn't have been the Lord. That had to have been, no. He had never, he has never spoken a word to me like that before. It's always encouragement, it's always the word. It was a heavy word, and I I, I hid it away in my heart. Um, and on yesterday I was reading in Luke, and it said, Mary hid these things in her heart. And he confirmed that word over and over to me throughout the years. And I had the opportunity to pray with um, LCA parents on Thursday mornings, or some Thursday mornings, and um, I said to these moms, I was encouraging them about what is in store for us and for our children and for our children's children. And I said, but if, if my child could choose a path of blessing and prosperity and ease, be guaranteed life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, but be lukewarm and comfortable Christian and, and, and risk being spit out, risk the fires of hell. Or would I have my child choose the path and life, which may have suffering, which may have trial and tribulation and sword, but her God will never leave her Hallelujah. or forsake her.
0: Hallelujah.
1: I will choose that path every single time because his promises are yes and amen. Hallelujah. He is God and he doesn't change. He Hallelujah. is the way maker. He Hallelujah. is the promise keeper. Hallelujah. He doesn't change and he does not forsake his children. Hallelujah. His children do not beg for bread. So go forth today, rejoicing, rejoicing that we have been given a life that we get to lay down for him as He laid down for us. And every step will be a step of victory, of promises. He is waymaker and he leads us into the path of salvation. We are established in righteousness.
0: So guys, this is how we're going to close. We're going to have some prayer teams up here. If you need prayer for anything in your life, whether it be healing, relationship, whatever, there'll be teams up here. If you're that person or people who felt that calling earlier about making Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, I can meet you right here. Right down here after service, I'll be here to talk and pray with you, and we'll do that business with the Lord this morning. Amen? But before we do that, I want to give this benediction to you guys. You just want to close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm going to read out of 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort in which we ourselves are comforted by God. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Father, we just go out with a mission, with a passion, seeing this time as an opportunity, not as a problem. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that your church will grow. That lives, the lost will become saved, the sick will be healed, lives will be radically transformed, families will thrive, and Father, that we as the church will be the light in the darkness because of who you are in our lives. We thank you for all these things. In your precious name, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Again, if you need prayer, come up here.